your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. Welcome to another special guest edition of uh, Special Presentation with Steph and Ethan, or... Alf will not be seen tonight. Oh, boy. Because because of the vagaries of capitalism, I have not been able to get together with Mike to record new episodes for like two weeks now. So we've got... So this is our second one in a row with a guest host. And you all, hopefully... Uh, Long-time uh, special presentation heads will remember Steph Cherrywell from the uh, Archie episode and Adam's Family episodes. Welcome back. Uh, yes, thanks for having me again on this uh, impromptu recording session. <laughs> yes, it's, you know, the, the the nice thing is that you don't have to do a lot of research. but Because we mostly, we mostly go on my, you know, half-remembered things from your childhood that may or may not be true. Speaking of which... It's Saturday morning. We had to wake up early to do this. What was your favorite Saturday morning cartoon? Oh, what did I watch? Um, I remember really liking He-Man. Was that uh, on Saturday mornings? Was it? You know, I, you know what? I don't actually specifically remember when it was. Mm. Um, I watched the Smurfs a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't I don't recall. I, and I'm probably going to blend um, Disney afternoon together with Saturday morning because they all kind of mm. go together in my head. I do. I'm not sure. Sh- I think some of them kind of graduated from from Saturday mornings to afternoons because I know one show that we both loved as kids was uh, Beetlejuice, oh, yeah. and that start that started out as Saturday morning, but then it uh, it actually got a whole lot better when it moved to the afternoons. Yeah, there was um the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which was five days a week, and it was always Zelda on Friday. That's right, but uh, then there was the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers Three, which was the Saturday morning show. The one where that bothered me as a kid because they got all the Koopalings names wrong because I didn't yeah. understand. I didn't understand the concept of things being developed concurrently or by different teams. Yeah, that's yeah. A lot of for anyone who doesn't know on uh, on the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers three, they didn't. They were given early pre production work with Super Mario World and understand that the Koopalings introduced in Super Mario 3 had no names at all in Japan. We named them in America, but in they didn't have any names when they were given them for the show, so they gave them one set of names, and then Nintendo of America gave them another. Yeah, I was... Um, I guess uh, I so much of their personality comes from the supplementary materials. I, do they really... They don't, they're not, they don't really have any personalities in Japanese media, do they? Uh... Not until uh, Paper Mario Color Splash. Did you play? Not, not Color Splash. Uh, yeah, Color Splash. Did you play that one? I have not played that one. Is that the Wii U one? Yes, it's uh, yeah. it's the one where you get to fight a Koopaling uh, in the in every uh, episode, in every uh, chapter, and each of them has a very richly developed personality. I, mm-hmm. I 
Yeah, we learned that, like, Larry is a gourmet, and you have to cook a steak for him, and, uh... Interesting. I mean, I, I mostly know them from, from the, the Mario comics version, and the, uh, the, the Super Mario 3, Super Mario World, um, and to a lesser extent, the uh, Super Mario adventures that ran in Nintendo Power. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably as close to, uh, th they seem pretty similar to that, for the most part, but... But in kind of uh, kind of exaggerated even further. Like uh, Morton is the first one you uh, meet in the game, and he is so dumb he can only respond to a question after you've gone on to the next question. Yeah, I was I was very obsessed with Koopas when I was in <laughs> elementary school. So I was sort of known as the like the Koopa kid for like a couple of years, I think. <laughs> Well, I mean, there are certainly worse things to be known as in school. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're talking about Saturday morning, and I was going to say that I was a huge fan of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yes, um, yeah, I, I watched Pee-wee as well. I... Mike was not a big fan of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Apparently Mike's, Mike's wife was, so uh, if she were here, we'd have Mike totally outnumbered. But uh, yeah, Pee-wee's Pee Playhouse was, you know, absolutely groundbreaking, which is surprising considering how much of it was kind of just, you know, taking the old cartoon host uh, stuff from the 50s uh, just to another, to a new extent. Pee-wee was kind of the final evolution of all those Krusty-style shows. You know, I, I just enjoyed that every single thing in his house was alive, and none of his house seemed to, none of the areas in his house really gelled. They were just all yeah, I mean, he would, he would like step into that weird kitchen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember it now. Uh, I feel like this. I feel like this whole show where I'm just going to be struggling to remember stuff because I didn't really know exactly what we were going to talk about. But I mean, I, I like he had a thing where like you could open up any part of his house and there would be something happening there. There was the the ant farm. There was um, were there like monsters in a mouse hole or something? Yeah, uh, dinosaurs. He had a small dinosaurs. dinosaur family. Yes. Which in the Christmas episode, it was revealed they were Jewish and celebrating Hanukkah. Oh, neat. So, yeah, the idea of a house where neat stuff happens is uh, is kind of endemic to Saturday morning, at least in my mind. Others uh, may differ. And that was what uh, what led me to the episode we're going to be talking about today, The uh, which was uh, Archie's Funhouse. Yeah, Archie's Funhouse. Now, I looked up... I I'm I was I'm not familiar with this show, but I am familiar with this uh, era in Archie history. It's it was he was right in smack and dab in the middle of the sugar sugar period. Yeah, when uh, Veronica had a was like a, she had a Southern Belle accent. That was weird. That kept throwing me off. Yeah, it was very strange. Veronica's does not seem southern to me. She seems she's she's rich, but she's very like rich in a very northern way. I always thought, like yeah, she, uh, you know, she really um, seems like you know uh, Pepperidge Farm kind of thing. Yeah, her her father just seems like a you know northeastern northeastern industrialist, somebody who sits down to a meal of ham and mayonnaise. Yeah, exactly. And. But, uh, so yeah, there are other Archie shows that are in this tradition? Um, well, I looked up exactly where this fit in, and I guess there was basically 
10 years of shows that um, that weren't really distinct shows. I think they reused a lot of assets from this. Yeah, I, I understand that what we watched is not actually the complete show. What they did was they used this as a sort of framing device around old cartoons from previous uh, Archie shows. Yeah, this this was the era when you would have two people together and they would be the somebody and whoever hour. Yeah, often somebody who had absolutely no nothing to do with one another, like the Shazam and Isis hour or the uh, Heathcliff and Ding... Heathcliff and Dingbat Hour, or Fred and Barney Meet the Thing. Yeah. Did Fred and Barney Meet the Thing? Is that a real uh, thing? That's a real thing, yeah. In uh, Oh, 19- is, it, wait, is it the Adams Family thing? No. <laughs> is it? Thing. Wait, it can't be that. Well, see, when you say the thing, I immediately think of the John Carpenter thing. <laughs> and I'm thinking. <laughs> and it's not the ones from the Cat in the Hat either. Yeah, um, okay, I don't know which thing it is, then. It's Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four. Oh, that thing! Okay, there's too too many things. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how they got the idea for Fred and Barney to meet the thing. Well, they don't really meet him except during the bumpers. It's, it's, they made a bunch of cartoons about Ben Grimm being a teenager who could turn into the thing whenever he wanted. Oh, yeah. Like... Like that woman with the pink hair who has the thing's body that's in some of the comics and I, whose backstory I don't know. Yeah, that's that was in fact derived from those same comics. They do the thing with the thing rings where they clash them together and then boulders attach themselves to them. And they say, thing ring, do your thing! Why well, they could form a whole internet of things. <laughs> So, but yeah, Fred and Barney meet the thing only lasted a few months, and then it became Fred and Barney meet the Schmoo, which is again long, relevant to us. <laughs> as long as they're meeting something, yes, because kids were just not ready to sit down for Fred and Barney on their own anymore. They're like, "Give us something new!" Oh, how banal the Flintstones again! Oh, you know what? You know what the kids of today like? A little Abner. <laughs> So, yeah, what we're doing, this was, I, I hesitate to call the era we grew up in the golden era of Saturday morning, because that's really, you know, putting way too much pressure, way too much uh, uh, emphasis on something that was great because you were there for it. But I I feel like there were a lot more original shows during our time than uh, the previous two decades of Saturday morning. Yeah, maybe the ones... You mean the previous before those decades? Yes, I mean... Yeah, between, definitely. Um, yeah. In the I mean, 80s and 90s, almost all shows were original to uh, Saturday Morning, except for, you know, occasional things like the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show. I think in the in the literal sense, it, w- it was not the golden age. The, the shows themselves were not golden age material. I mean, I think we have much better shows today overall. I mean, you look at the things that are being made for kids today and they're like, oh, yes. this is generally great, genuinely great. But we, we are it absolutely was in golden, a second golden age of animation. Yeah. It was the golden age of Saturday morning itself as a ritual, which is not something that exists anymore Mm-mm. because now you can watch them anytime. Mm-hmm. First Cartoon Network came along and then, and then streaming. So, mm-hmm. 
So the good news is you never actually have to stop watching cartoons. Yeah, there's no um, Halls of Medicine commercial to come along to signal to you that the, the cartoons are over and next is going to be Guiding Light or whatever. Soap opera ended up killing all the fun. American Bandstand. The... Yeah, so... so I think, I think we'll Guiding at... Light was immediately before the Disney afternoon, or at least it was where I am, because I, I always saw the end credits of it. Oh, <laughs> I think it's Guiding Light still on. I think there's like one of those soap operas still left. It might be. It might be Days of Our Lives. Yeah, I, I don't. I do not know. Let's let's find out. I can't find out instantly, so feel free to keep talking. Yeah. Okay. So we have. So let's talk about this. The format of Archie's Funhouse. We have, so what What we've got here is bumpers, essentially, that go around old Archie cartoons where they, you know, drive around in their car with the rumble seat and wear raccoon skin coats. Maybe not that old, but, uh, but around this, we have one of the strangest conceits for a show where, according to at least the opening credits, we're watching a live show being performed on stage to a huge audience of children. Yeah. This is a really hard show to sum up because it's all frosting. There's no real plot. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a variety show, I guess you'd say. Yeah. It's, it's a variety show, but they, they seem to presenting, be presenting it as a variety show with uh, a live studio audience. <laughs> and yeah. So it's a it's a cartoon with a live audience, and yet, to my astonishment, there's no laugh track. Yeah, there's there's a, there is a that joke was terrible track. Yeah, it's uh, featuring all these characters that I guess must have been must have been uh, established in earlier Archie shorts because we get no introduction to them here. Yeah, um, there's well one of them that I definitely noticed that effect was. Um, the the second show that you showed me, um, he came on stage and was identified as Salem. And I was like, oh, it's Salem. But before that, there were multiple shows where one of the things it would cut to was a cat spraying perfume into his throat. And I was, who, who, what, what is that for? It didn't make any sense. It was in, in, in the context of the show. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and I would never have guessed it was Salem because he was orange. And Salem is supposed to be a black cat in every other medium I've seen. Yeah, it's yeah. This is really interesting how it uh, mixes and matches characters from Archie and Sabrina. Yeah, yeah there there were Sabrina segments which where they taught you real magic tricks, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, that that is kind of neat. It's not the you know not the uh, most exciting magic tricks. It's actually it's mostly like kind of uh, kind of stealth, uh, yeah, stealth educational tricks like teaching you about the topology of paper and stuff like that. I assume for for teenage witches, that's kind of a, a way of rebelling against, <laughs> you know, your parents with their actual magic. As I'm going to learn stage magic, <laughs> you know, and I'm going to teach it to all the muggles, mom. <laughs> so, but yeah, we've got we have an enormous crowd of absolutely enthralled children who are holding up big signs that say Archie and laughing until they fall out of their chairs at, at I don't know what. 
we never returned to them after the opening credits, but uh, it, it just strikes me as so strange that we have these actual children watching this uh, teenage band. Yeah, um, this teenage band, which is going to now go into a funhouse that's been built on stage, apparently. Yes, and a whole outside has also been built on stage. How does this work? Yeah, um, so... (laughs) Well, I guess I guess we'll get to it eventually, but I, I think the thing yeah. that looms over the whole thing is the sideshow. Yeah, the sideshow is the the yeah the I, ironically the sideshow is the main event. But yeah, uh, yeah. But then because there's the giant jukebox. The, yeah, the giant jukebox. I think that's a holdover from versions of the show where there were musical numbers. Yeah, which is because where, it, you know, sugar, sugar, and some of the other things uh, uh-huh. came from. There, yeah, the giant jukebox is mentioned in the opening credits, and they make a big deal about it, and then we don't see it. So they must have cut that part out of the version we watched. Yeah, I remember um, another version had uh, they were they taught you like a dance move in every episode. It's it's really interesting that they they always they seem to put a little bit of educational material in each one. They hadn't we hadn't yet gotten to the point of the uh, GI Joe PSA is tacked on the end. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how educational it was. I mean, they were, they were, they were dance moves, but they were clearly just dance moves that somebody like desperately came up with to fill time on an Ar- on an Archie show. <laughs> like the Veronica walk, just walk along with your head, uh, you know, nose stuck up in the air. There you go. That's a dance. Yeah, that that's a dance. Yeah, uh, I am reminded of the person who was who. Fu- who found themselves on a dance floor and didn't know what to do. So they just started doing emotes they remembered from Fortnite. I mean, that'll work, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So once, once we're through with the, once we're through with the uh, intro, we don't see the kids again. We just have Archie greeting you. And Archie always says, hi gang. Go. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I immediately recognized it as Dallas McKinnon, the voice of oh. Gumby. Oh, huh, I'm going to have to re-listen to that. I didn't recognize it. But I just I just did recognize that Archie uh, and Jughead kind of have very distinctive voices in this. Archie is like, oh, hey, gang. And he's like, oh, Arch. Say, hey, Arch, are you going to treat me to a hamburger at Pops? Only I can't actually replicate them. This kind of voice. Yeah, yeah you're, like that. You're, you're better yeah. at and yeah, and Betty has kind of a basic girl voice, and Veronica has girl plus southern voice. And oh, oh, but my favorite thing about the voices is that we finally find out how you pronounce D dash U H. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the moose duh is not just duh, he's really dragging it out in this one. He's like, duh. Hi, kids. We're going to learn duh. Uh, you know, in the, in the script, they just write it as uncomprehending grunt. <laughs> oh, the weirdest voice, though? Who is that dog with the ring around its eye? Do you know um, this character? Oh, yeah. It's not Hot Dog, because that's, no. the, that's the big fluffy white dog. Yeah, there's three dogs in this, and one of them... Talks like very funny. Yeah. Is it is it a robot? <laughs> is it an alien pretending to be a dog? What is this you, creature? I mean, it could be anything because given that Salem didn't look anything like Salem, 
Yeah. Uh, are there any other dogs in Archie that are? I, I, I can't dog. think of any. Archie dogs. Um, I don't know. Archie dogs. That that makes me hungry. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, we have this very distinctive but very weird take on the whole the whole Archie gang, and which is such a which is. It still kind of bothers me that they call themselves the Archies. How did how did anyone besides Archie agree on that? Yeah, Reggie never would have agreed to that. Yeah. And I mean, even if they were all super super good friends, it seems really unfor really unfair to the rest of them to just call themselves the Archies. I mean, you and I used to be in a big gang of uh, four or five people, and we didn't call ourselves the Ethans. No, other that we could have gotten like leather jackets with that. Well, well, damn, why didn't we? Shit. <laughs> and so the first thing that we see is Archie going, Hi, gang! Oh, oh my throat is dry! I'm gonna get a soda! And he loses his dime in the soda machine and then says, Oh, well, anything can happen! So <laughs> I didn't realize... Really <laughs> yeah, that, that's not... I mean, that's anything, but that's not really, like, a wonderful, amusing event. Yeah, it's like I, mean, I can I can have that happen to me, and I have, and it wasn't really funny. They didn't really establish that this is going to be a running gag through the episode, so I was just kind of staring, you know, in shock that they would set up a joke and then not make one. You know, oh, I figured out. Um, I know why they call themselves the Archies. Oh, because one of Betty or Veronica suggested it. Um, to like suck up to Archie. The other one had to go along with it. And then they outvoted everybody else. <laughs> that makes sense. And yeah, because uh, Jughead wanted to call them call themselves like the hamburgers or something, and Reggie wanted to call themselves the Reggies, and then hot dog didn't count. So Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So okay. And after after Archie loses his coin, he just immediately goes on to, we're going to make the world's greatest pineapple upside down cake. Yeah, um, which involves completely rebuilding the kitchen, um, sort of Tim Allen style. Yeah. I was gonna... um, I, the thing I, I think I like, the thing I liked the most about this was when he's announcing how to make it, um, Betty and Veronica are sitting there with like notepads, extremely eager to hear yeah. what is surely going to be a real recipe. <laughs> and are are disappointed. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, the, so he he makes the upside down cake in an upside down kitchen, and predictably it falls on Reggie, who you know this would have been a perfect time for him to say, "I don't think so, Tim," but no, he's uh, he says personally, I prefer ginger snap animal crackers. Have you ever had ginger snap animal crackers? I thought they were their own thing. Maybe um yeah that feels like it's a combination of two different kinds of dessert, but one is a material and one is a shape, so there's no reason you couldn't have them. Yeah, you're right. But uh, yeah, and then Archie immediately makes giant ones that come to life and chase Archie or chase Reggie. So I assume he's been taking some lessons from Sabrina there. Yeah, well, I, anything can happen. Yeah. You should have started with this instead of just losing a diamond machine. Yeah, and Veronica assistant like, oh, that's a real ginger snap. Like, just gleeful at Reggie's imminent mauling, which I guess <laughs> anyone would be. Get him! 
So let's see. We have the the Betty's diary segments. Now you said that before that Archie and Betty used to have a much different relationship, but I I never realized that she was ever interpreted as his hanger on. Yeah, no, that was the the original version was that Veronica was this sophisticated out of towner that Archie was attracted to, and Betty was basically just like his. Like the like the, the girl that he kept around that he could date when he didn't have a date with Veronica and who would often annoy him by wanting to have more of a relationship. Which is uh, yeah, you don't see that so much anymore, but it's on full display in the Betty's diary segments. That's the the entire basis of them. It's I I just it just uh, so far from my interpretation of the character, it feels like a strange AU. Yeah, I mean, I think even at the time, even at, like, the time this was made, that was kind of a weird throwback. And, yeah, and he's, and Archie is really mean to Betty. I don't get it. Yeah. Like, uh, what is the the line she said? Something like, Archie said... He said, Archie actually said something nice to me. Cut to Archie going, it would be nice! He laughed! (laughs) I was like... Damn, Archie! Are you sure you that? Are you sure you're Archie and not the uh, alternate version of uh, Jughead, where he hates women? Yeah, they they don't they don't focus on that at all in this one, apart from that he's running away from Big Ethel. Yeah, uh, yeah. There there are several there were several cuts of Jughead running away from Big Ethel, and um, I think it was the second episode you sent me had one with. Uh, I was Big Ethel trying to like sneak into Jughead's house or something. Yeah, yeah. First uh, by baiting him out with a uh, with a tr- with a grass trap, and which, then, then by you know, pretending to be a baby on the on the uh, on the doorstep, which I mean, if you if you think about it outside of the very sexless context of what we're being presented here. It's like that's that's a really bizarre thing to do to somebody that you want to have a romantic relationship with. Yeah. Well, I'm just imagining the idea that Jughead was completely taken in by it and was also delighted. Like this is what I've always wanted the ch- the child who has come to gra- to crown my old age. And Big <laughs> Ethel has to kind of bite her lip and uh, play along with being a baby for like two or three years. Really? It's like, huh, your baby's not getting any taller. Oh, that's okay. She was already, like, six feet tall when I got her. <laughs> I'd like to register in, her in preschool. Oh, no. That one was... Here's the interesting thing about that one, is that I can't think of another cartoon from this time period that would have a woman in that kind of slapstick role. That. You're right. I, I can't think it now. It's, I mean, it was hardly like you wouldn't call it progressive because it was very much in stillness regressive. Oh, a man kind of yeah. vibe. But but I don't think I can't think of a single other example. Um, uh, it's boy, that's a that is a difficult one, actually. Yeah, I think you're right. Shoot. So. Yeah, not progressive, but uh, different. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So, but yeah, along the along the way, we've 
Oh, back in, in that first episode, we had, you know, after the thing with Betty's diary, we have, once again, Archie turning to the camera and saying, oh, hi, like, I didn't see you there. It's like, are we in the audience or not? Yeah, I, mean, are we, I guess we're supposed to be the kids. Or is he saying it to the kids? Yeah, is he saying it to the kids or are we visiting the fun house and the kids are watching us? Are we oh, in the theater? You know, or should, the we, show? we should probably say the titles of the episodes so people can find it on YouTube. So it's not oh, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's not just us like here's here's descriptions of a bunch of crazy stuff you didn't see. Okay, yeah. Um, it was uh, like I think it was um was it Let's soda run. machine shadow yeah. boxing was the first yeah, one. Yeah, Coke machine shadow boxing was the yeah. first one. The second then, one was uh there was a photo booth and what was the fourth one? Photo booth and uh elevator. Oh, okay. So that, yeah, those are the those are the ones to look up on YouTube if you want to see what we were describing. Yeah, I'll just link to it in the uh, Twitter post oh, so okay. people. Good idea. Yeah. That way, they don't have to wait until like halfway through to, <laughs> to find out. Yeah, watch along with us and be as baffled as we are. <laughs> so yeah, Archie is greeting us with, "Oh, hi! I was just looking through my photo album," and I'm just like. Archie, am I your guest or not? Uh, why are you just sitting there ignoring me? Uh, what I... And so, then the, 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 in front of the kids, um, he's just like walking out on stage with a photo album and getting himself situated and then very artificially looking over his shoulder and going, oh, hey. <laughs> you no, know, he, probably, he probably did the thing where the lights go down and the stagehands rush all the furniture on and he goes out and under you know cover of darkness. Yeah, yeah. That's... Oh, I, I've. Is there a live Archie show like a like a musical, like a Broadway musical? I don't. I've never heard of one, but it's the sort of thing where I would not be surprised if I found out if there was one. Yeah, it sounds very of their, you know, the kind of thing that they would do. Those anything for a buck, Archies. Yeah. If, well, if they were going to do it, like the last few years would have been the time with Riverdale being really popular. Uh huh. I'm not sure. Um, show, yeah. Yeah, it's pro- probably by the time they could get one off the ground by now, its moment might have passed again. But, you know, Archie is perennial, and I'm sure the cycle will come around again one day. So, yeah, Archie has his photo album out, so he's introducing the, the little Archies, I guess, the kid versions of them. Yeah. Oh, actually, before we do that, I want to say there actually were a couple musical episodes or a few musical episodes of Riverdale. Oh, yeah, they but they weren't um, they weren't original musicals. They were based on existing musicals that they just mm. did songs from, sort mm, of like okay. uh, like Glee. Oh, okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like a paid promotion. In fact, oh. it was like it was like product placement for musicals. But it was they were fun though. I mean, they did one for Carrie, and I really like the songs from Carrie. So. Mm. Yeah, anyway, sorry. I just wanted to say that before we got past that part. So sorry. Continue with the little Archies. Yes, the little Archies are, you know, we we introduce. Have has this bully character been seen before? Do you? It's, do you it's called him? Spike, I think. Right? Yeah, Spike. I think he's Spike. Yeah, it's not Moose. I thought it was Moose at first, and I was like, "Wow, Moose is being a jerk." But Moose, yeah, Moose was really. Uh, it's like Moose really mellowed out once he started getting laid in high school, huh? <laughs> No, it was yeah, some other guy named Spike who I guess probably went to, you know, the other high school on the other side of town where they send the bad kids. Oh, yes. Yeah, so he went to the continuation school. <laughs> the one but, that um, 
the one that you would hear about in the regular high school as a <laughs> as a warning. And but so yeah, he's he's this. There's this mean kid who's uh, taking all their balls and throwing it over the fence. Well, more specifically, kicking them over the fence. And uh, so Archie uh, paints up his dad's bowling ball to look like a basketball, and the kid breaks his foot. Yeah, I'm just like, wow, it's Archie, lucky you brought your dad's bowling ball to school today. <laughs> it, yeah, this, actually, I guess it might not be school. It might just be a playground, but I don't know. It looked like school. I mean, they had a, yeah. had a basketball um I mean, it was it was pretty set up because there was a bunch of different kids playing things. Um, Betty and Veronica were doing volleyball. Um, I think Reggie was doing was shooting baskets. Someone was shooting baskets. Yeah. All I can say is that this was done much better in Wayside School, if you remember that one. Oh yeah, with the um the there was the good balls, the medium balls, and then there was like the one bad yellow ball. Yeah. Oh no, was... no, no, no! I'm thinking of the, I'm thinking of a different one. I think there was another one about people being thrown over the fence, right? Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was this one kid named Terry who would get involved with games just to kick balls over the fence, and they'd say, and they'd say, "Why did you do that?" And he'd come up with this weird rhyming insult to dismiss them, like "Take a train, peanut brain," or "Eat a frog, warthog." Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that, and I think it, it ends with them throwing him over the fence, wasn't it? There's nothing left to kick over the fence. Oh yes, there's something left to kick over the fence. <laughs> ah, it's been a while since I've read any of those, but they're really good. Oh man, they are so good. There, there was actually a new one came out last yeah, year. Yeah, no, the Beneath the Cloud of Doom. I did read that one. Hmm. I haven't gotten around to reading that one. I better dig it up. I didn't. I didn't enjoy it as much, but I wonder if it's that. I don't know if it's that it's not as good or if it's just that, um, you know, the, the the process of life has dulled my ability to enjoy wayside books. Who knows? Yeah. The nostalgia is just not there anymore. Yeah. yeah. But I will say that the, the one before it, Wayside School Gets a Little Stranger, was really good. <laughs> Which is the one that has the um, Sammy, the, the dead rat. That's the first one, yeah. Oh, that that's that story was so surreal. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of weird surreality. It like a, yeah, it was like a, it was almost like a horror story with them just taking off layers and layers, and the smell getting worse and worse. <laughs> and then the idea that dead rats were always trying to sneak into the class. Yeah. What? <laughs> Oh my god, I I mean, you can see how Lewis Sacker became the beloved author of Holes. It was always there. Yeah, I mean, they've done TV versions of Wayside, and I don't think they really captured the magic at all. No, no, it was it was a real disappointment, especially right. if you were a fan of the show, of the books beforehand. But I did like how Sammy was a regular character and he was just a dead rat they would put a hat on for various situations. I liked, um, I think maybe this was from the book and I just don't remember because it, it was only backstory, but I liked that, was it, was Sherry the one who was always sleeping in class? Yeah, she was always yeah, sleeping I liked, in I liked class. that her, they gave her a backstory or, or just, or maybe it was something that was mentioned where it's, she was this like extreme adventurer the rest of the time and she was just always tired in class. <laughs> that must have been from the show. I don't remember that in the uh, in the books. Okay, yeah. No, I remember her in like a big, like floppy fur coat, like a druid or something. 
that might have just been the illustrations. Yeah, that was def- she definitely had that. Yeah, and she and in the books it was said that because she wore this heavy coat, she was uh, sleepy all the time. But okay, yeah, the the coat I don't I don't know if that was in the show or not. I only saw I think a couple episodes of it. So what else we got next? Oh, the the soda machine is back, and this time Hot Dog runs up and he gets a uh, string of sausages from it. Oh, that's that's handy, a sausage vending machine. So Archie tries leaning down and going, bark, bark, and the machine spits out a bone and a giant hand comes out to pat him on the head going, that's a nice doggy. Just, this is really surreal uh, <laughs> joke framing, yeah, but not really funny. Vending machines that's um, just there messing with you. Yeah. It must be the one from the isekai about the kid who becomes a vending machine. <laughs> I think it, you know, I got hit by a truck and now I'm a vending machine on a uh, in a fun house on a stage. Yeah. Well, actually, um, for that one, a vending machine fell off a truck and landed on him. <laughs> so, oh, and then we get the Sabrina's magic trick. And uh, I've I've done this one. Do you have you done this one before? Yeah, is this the paper one or the ice cube one? It's the paper one, the, where where Sabrina shows us how to trace a, a dime and cut it out, and uh, then the challenge is to slip a quarter through it. And it's not the most difficult thing in the world, but uh, it does teach you a little bit about uh, the def- about the deformation of uh, how you know, like you're you can stretch the circumference of a dime to the diameter of a quarter. I guess I haven't, I haven't actually done. Um, yeah, I haven't done either of them, but uh, I like that. I, I can't remember which one it is. Is it Zelda or Hilda? I don't. It's I don't Hilda, know. Her. Yeah, Hilda. Okay, she she comes up and she's like, "Oh, I can do this," and without even knowing the trick, is like, "Oh, obviously that that coin can go through that hole." I mean, that's that's just the trick, right? You make a hole, and then you put the coin through it. <laughs> yeah, great trick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and she cannot do it because. She's too dependent on using magic for everything in life. But Sabrina, who straddles two worlds, uh, knows how to manipulate material objects in ways that her aunt doesn't understand. Yeah, she, it's yeah, it's interesting to think that if there were, you know, competing sets of physics like that, like, you know, if some people just used magic and other people used science, it's... Well, say, um, not quite like Xanth, but <laughs> there was a fantasy series called I think called Game Earth about these kids who were playing a like essentially role playing game that they'd created themselves, and it went back and forth between the kids and the characters in the game. Ooh, neat! And there was a one kid really liked science fiction, so he just made like a, a, a like a science fiction country where science worked and it didn't work in like the other the rest of it. And there's a scene where one of the people in this country has to leave in a, like a steam powered car, and it stops working after a certain point when when he goes over the barrier, and he he essentially complains to the universe that there's that that doesn't make any sense because he's like, well, you know, I can still boil water, I can still move the piston up and down. This should. There's no reason why my car shouldn't work, and after a moment, it just starts working. <laughs> that that that's something that I've 
always kind of had a uh, had a monkey on my back about is the idea that you know if science if you can explain how science works you know you can explain how science works so it should work everywhere so if you can explain how magic works it's just kind of speculative science magic should kind of by definition be unexplainable or maybe based or maybe based on something you know completely you know non-scientific like say linguistics hence magic words Yeah, I was, I've always thought it's more interesting if there's some kind of system to it. But uh, but you can also just do the thing where it's like all nanotech or whatever. Yeah. So now we're back to the soda machine. And this is where it gets really bizarre. The, whole, the, uh, the port falls off and onto the ground and WC Fields <laughs> comes out of it. Yeah, that's it. This machine, um, it vends... Sausages and W.C. Fields. I, I feel like there was a joke there that was cut where he said, I'll see if I can get a drink. I wanted a drink, not a drunk. Maybe. That wouldn't be the worst joke on this show. <laughs> so, and so uh, W.C. Fields pops out of the hole and hands him a clock because it's time for another show. And then we get the, the weird uh, intro to the sideshow. Yeah, the sideshow, which is not, it's not behind you, and it's not in front of you, and it's not above you. It's this, it must be the sideshow. Um, and this is, this is, this whole sequence is just a dive into insanity. It has an absolute but, um, <laughs> help. Well, this help. is clearly, clearly based on laughing originally. Yeah, Laugh-In and had a bunch of segments like this that I don't really... I've never seen Laugh-In, honestly, but so I associate this with, like, the locker jokes on You Can't Do That on Television. Hey, Moose. Yes, Kevin? <laughs> hey, hey, Moose. Duh. Yes, Kevin? Yeah, um, I think Hee did this, too, a lot. Yeah, the, the jokes where you just, you know, pop pop in and pop out of uh, various holes to uh, indicate that the joke is over. And, you know, like, it's the kind of jokes that, like, a bunch of gopher animatronic gophers would tell you at uh, yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. Which, uh, I guess, hee-haw, laugh-in, and this were all basically around 1970. So this was extremely relevant to its, to its time and up-to-date. Y- you know, when I was a kid, I remember people complaining about TV being all one-liners. This must have been what they were talking about. Yeah, probably. Although at that point, it was kind of, um, I mean, it would have been, by the time you were old enough to understand it, it would have been at least 15 years after this. Yeah. Now, some of these are jokes that they would use, like, in context or something on, like, The Muppet Show. So, I have a certain weakness for the you-don't-say joke. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't think he tells it very well, because you really need kind of a pause, as if you're actually listening to someone. But yeah, I mean, it's a decent, it's a decent joke, I think. There were, I mean, this was kind of the, the drawn together school of humor, where you're just, you just throw as much stuff as you, as you can, and hope that some of it is going to be funny. Yes, but dur- during the drawn together era, you, they had a lot more stuff to throw. Yeah. 
And yeah, this okay. is this is just mostly mostly very old jokes. I mean, they do the uh, what? Hey, Arch, you know what's what's green and spotted with a hundred legs? What? Yeah, I don't know, Jughead. Well, I don't know either, but it's crawling on your collar. <laughs> but sometimes they demonstrate a literal version of whatever it is they're talking about. Like the, the one about the scale. What was up with that? Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, it's, um, well, it's, no, it's clear that um, Jughead robbed a bank. <laughs> and he stopped to do a stupid pun. And then he stood on a scale, which in which um, turned into a vehicle and uh, got him away from the police before he could be arrested. Which That's why Jughead is in jail now. <laughs> I. I, I like how it just fades in on Reggie standing next to a scale and gives me a few seconds to uh, take this idea in. And I was like, oh, are we about to see something to add to the big cartoon database? It's, it's, uh, yo, uh, it's cartoon sighting, Reggie inflation. <laughs> but yeah, that's really weird. And then the thing about the clothes lion. Yeah. As I said, what, what what is the Betty says? What is the most dangerous household animal? And um, or what something like that? What is the most dangerous animal in a household? And Reggie says the clothes lion. And uh, and Betty gets very indignant. So I wonder, like, what did she think was the answer? Like, how how fucking dare you step on my line? So no, then we lion. yeah we got to a. <laughs> We cut to a lion hanging from a clothesline. A, cl a clothesline. A, cl a yes. lion from a clothesline. Uh, but yeah, you said it right. She's like, what's the most dangerous household animal? And it's like, household animal? Do you mean like a pet or like something or like a dairy cow? Or Yeah. I'm, what is the most dangerous household animal? I can't uh, think of. I can't think of anything that's in. You'd find in a household that's really dangerous. Some of them are pests, but. You know, unless you're, you know, one of those, one of those freaks who keeps an elephant on their property. Yeah. That's not exactly a household animal. Yeah. Well, elephants are only dangerous if they come into the household, which is why you can't keep certain foods in your house if you live in an area with elephants. Yeah. Like peanuts. Elephants, um, elephants are generally well-meaning, but they don't understand about buildings. <laughs> and that they're not that that you can't just like open them. Yeah, they're they're keystone species, which means that they actually make paths for other animals wherever they go. Um, I don't know. I guess I guess if you lived somewhere with dangerous snakes or spiders or scorpions, yeah. that could be it. Household animals. Yeah, yeah. That's right. When there was flooding recently in like Iraq, people were getting scorpions coming into their houses by the dozens. Might not have been a rack. I'm sorry. Somewhere in the Middle East. I, I don't remember that happening. So it could have been anywhere. I, can, I can't. I can't fact check you. So you might have to do that. Yes, that's what we call being a podcast correct, which is we, we you don't have time to check whether we're right. Let's just go on to the next thing. It's we're we're, we're Joe Rogan level correct. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, on, I mean, you may have the uh, facts, but I still think it might be wrong. <laughs> So, oh yeah, the thing that I found really haunting and ominous is the part where Archie is holding up a frame to his face and he's wearing a beard, and Betty says to him, what's your name? And he goes, I don't know. 
because you're because I'm not myself today. But he's like, yeah, no shit. You're clearly doing a character. What is the character's name, asshole? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it would be funnier if they just ended right there. What's your name? I don't know. <laughs> Help. And and then after that, we get like, say, uh, Reggie and Archie are playing the banjo together. And uh, Archie goes, say, Reggie, do you use toothpaste? Which is, you know, you'd think that Reggie would make his teeth loose for saying that. But Also, Reggie says something like, oh, I, did you know I'm a twin? And it's and uh, wow, that's that's really that's information that we didn't know, Reggie. And you're no, never mentioned again. I mean, I assume that's not canonical. And uh, Archie's uh, response is an indignant, "Oh yeah, you and who else?" You know, Betty. Betty has some. I liked Betty's presentation in these one-liners. I think. I think. Um, like, like the, her one about, uh, I was born in the hills on a level. No, in the hills. <laughs> but I, it might just be because she's the only one who doesn't have a kind of a stupid voice to start with. Yeah. Also, what's with the ones with Veronica playing piano on the beach? Is this a reference to something? It's like a reference to a dream Archie had. Here's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there. Yeah, there's one where Betty and Veronica are playing piano on the beach, and Betty says, "When I was a child, I was left an orphan." Really? What'd you do with it? Like, what? That's that's grim. Yeah. Yeah. Geez, that's what a way to react to the news of um. Boy, I cannot remember Betty's parents' names. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to react to their deaths. Well, maybe, maybe that's why she lives with that family, but. <laughs> Well, luckily, they all live in the in the uh, fun house now, which is, you know, I really thought that we would get to explore more of the fun house. Yeah, it's just kind of a backdrop. Yeah, it, you don't really see anything that goes on there except for like in the very last one where it gets lifted off of its foundation. I wonder if it's I mean, it's probably just a set that they bring out onto the stage. Hmm. So, okay, when we finally we finally end our uh, Coke machine episode with uh, the with Reggie doing a really telegraphed joke about trying to pay for his soda with a coin on a string. Yeah, I'll, I'll put this coin on a string in and then I'll get a soda for free. <laughs> yeah, and then it's uh, yeah, which ends with him getting sucked into the machine and uh, coming out again in like a tiny end in a bottle. Yeah, that's yeah, it went from. You know, it went from a stupid joke to kind of ominous. Yeah, I mean, this is—it's almost like uh, a rejected plot from the Twilight Zone. <laughs> like, uh, oh, what if what if somebody uh, stole from vending machines? So now he became the object in the vending machine. And now you are a soda. <laughs> Reginald, help! I turned into a pizza. Yes, Bertato, this is your punishment for pushing in front of me in the pizza line. Is it fun being a pizza? It looks fun. <laughs> uh, so the and next one is the shadow boxing one. Yeah, the shadow boxing one is like, you know, I don't think I was aware of what shadow boxing was before this, but then again, I've never boxed. Um, yeah, I mean, isn't it just kind of basically just standing there and practicing punches? Yeah, you pro I, I don't guess think you aim for your own shadow, but I don't think the shadow is really 
important. I think that's just the saying, isn't it? I mean, it just it just means practicing punches, and the idea is, oh, like you're boxing your shadow because there's not actually somebody there. Huh. I I, I, I assume it has it's... something to do with like you know being able to react to your silhouette, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Well, I don't I don't know how boxers train. Maybe it is, but. Uh... This one, I the, the shadow boxing storyline. I actually really liked the ending of it. Yeah, that was it was kind of sweet. Yeah, with the um, you know, Reggie and Archie getting a fight, um, and are like to, about to beat each other up, and they're shadows which are alive, like sort of Dracula style. Uh, Archie's has been reacting the whole time. Um, let's just start like talking and go over to Pops. For a soda, and they're they're best friends with each other, even though Archie and Reggie are not. Yeah, there's something kind of ontologically frightening about you know your shadow liking the shadow of someone you don't like. Yeah, and they are they are not. It's not just Archie's shadow. They they identify themselves as Archie and Reggie, and presumably they have there's like a shadow pops somewhere that they can go to to consume food. That, so that yeah, it should have ended with our Archie and Reggie going like. Wait, I thought they were the shadows and then disappearing. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been even better, although I think that's a little too smart for this show. <laughs> although, you know, the, the given the lack of rules in the uh in these segments, I I think you could get away with that. Yeah, I think so too. What if but after the shadow box, the intro to the shadow boxing joke, we get uh, Dilton doing his uh, bit. Oh yeah, the um, this is the Rube Goldberg device, right? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a device that calls that calls the police to uh, when a burglar gets into your house, and it's a and, and the way it works is to get your dog to bark at a picture of a cat to. Uh, Wake up the neighbors and have them call the police. And it's like, man, if only there was some way that your dog could directly bark at like an intruder. <laughs> also, the problem with calling the police is that they'll probably shoot your dog and leave the burglar alone. Yeah, or in that, as we see in this case, um, arrest you. Yeah, because it I wasn't really a burglar; it was uh, Mister Weatherby trying to get into his house. Yeah, so this, this was, must have been the police, uh, the police officer from that. Um, Henry Gates incident. <laughs> I can't. Am I using the right name? The guy who got arrested trying to get into his own house. Uh, I haven't heard about that, but I mean, it's better that than the uh, than you know a no knock warrant. Oh yeah, this was like this was like over ten years ago. Mm -hmm. So and after this, we get Jughead wearing a beret and some sort of hideous eighties maternity dress as he paints. Jughead as an artist is something that was used in the comics some sometimes too. They would do something a sequence called Jughead's Dipsy Doodles, where he would he would paint things and they would come to life. Huh. Yeah, I, I never that, saw that it. is in fact what happens here. Yeah, um I never saw it in the real I mean Okay, I mean it's it's Archie, so like they could they could do a story where Jughead is an artist, but he wasn't like consistently an artist. Yeah, it's it's not really. Is there anyone who's a consistent art? Oh wait, yeah, there yeah, is. There's uh, um, Chuck. Chuck, yeah, that's right. You mentioned that earlier. Um, yeah, but I think the reason, um, the fact that there wasn't an artist is why what gave Chuck his staying power because that was a that was a role that was not filled that he could inhabit that allowed him to participate in stories and be there as something more than 
sort of token that he was originally envisioned as. So yeah, this is not the best uh, bit. This is, you know, whenever this show tries to do something silent, it kind of falls flat because, you know, filmation is just not good at that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, this is JK getting hit with a pie. Um, and I don't know. It, it, feel, it doesn't feel very Jughead because if it was, you feel, you think he should eat the pie. I mean, you think yeah. even if it's on his face, wouldn't he just like, mm. yeah, it's, you'd think he'd do the Scooby-Doo tongue comes out and just licks the whole thing away yeah. thing. Oh, that's, yeah. I mean, I, I loved that animation when I was a kid, just seeing that <laughs> licking off all the, I guess it's frosting or something. I don't remember what which which ep, which show is that the closing to? I thought it was the I thought it was the first version, hmm. but maybe it wasn't. But I just I just, I thought it was really cool that there was this complete painted thing that got removed bit by bit. Hmm. And that was something you could you could easily do in just about any paint program. Wow, we live in the future. Yeah. And then we have more of Betty's diary. Do you remember what happens in this one? Oh, it's the no, is this the one of the push? Yeah, it's weird because they do them in the opposite direction. Uh, from in, in like, the opposite like, direction. Uh, like the first one is showing her pushing him in the car. Yeah, and then, and then the second thing is him calling her because he needs the push. That was weird. Yeah. I guess I guess Betty was more excited about having interacted with Archie than having been called in the first place. Mm-hmm. And now we have an, more of the more of the gang as kids, but this time there's no uh, intro with the uh, photo album. Archie just goes, and now the little Archies. Yeah, um, this is the one with the um, the the dough. Yeah, the fake purse. I mean, now I was I was uh, very pleased with Archie and Jughead's commitment to uh, to genie-like honesty in this one. Because uh, they tell Reggie there's a bunch of dough behind the hedge. And they have indeed like, made a giant pile of dough in a, in a vat that he yeah, can fall in. Yeah, they poured flour and water into a kiddie pool or something for him to fall into. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, now that's commitment because they could have just, uh, you know, like made some mud there. Yeah. But no, they they, really, they wanted him to literally fall into dough. I would like I would I would have liked for it to end with Reggie getting out of the pool it's like, "Well, thanks for all the dough and you're about to get battered." <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, again, that's probably more clever than this <laughs> this this show had only so much cleverness and I think it's and it was not a high budget. So now we go directly to the sideshow. We don't have the weird intro that we did last time. And the sideshow this time has a joke where, uh, uh, yeah, Betty and Veronica are like, have you ever seen a fish cry? No fish can cry. Oh, yeah? What about how whales blubber? Mm-mm. And, I, and yeah. I'm just imagining, like, the next episode starting with, like, somebody coming out on stage saying, oh, we'd like to apologize for the whales blubbering joke. We were not aware that whales aren't fish. But after the torrent of letters we got from every child... <laughs> I can. I just imagine her saying that, and off screen, somebody is having to like hold Dilton down. <laughs> <laughs> somebody has to tell her. Somebody has to tell her. But you know, the the they get the last laugh because technically you cannot 
evolve out of being in a group that you are in. So all animals descended from fish are technically a kind of fish, yeah, including humans. So. Um, so we are uh, also but fish. But it's not. Um, it's useful to use fish as a description of a certain kind of animal outside of yeah. its description as classification. After all, fish themselves seem to have evolved about twenty separate times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like uh, like zebras. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so just as birds are, just as dinosaurs are now non-avian dinosaurs, anything that is not a fish is now a non-Piscean fish. Uh, wait, was that like hagfish and stuff? <laughs> Hag, yeah, hagfish. Yeah, those are that would be another example. And uh, well, no, I was talking about us. But yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yo, you meant. Uh, yeah, you meant uh, everything that is descended from fish, but doesn't look like what we think of a fish. Yes. Whereas I, I was thinking of things that were looked like fish, but were not descended from them. I had it backwards. Yeah. So this has brought us to the end of the first. I guess episode? I'm not sure if this is... I mean, it's brought us to the credits. Yeah, this feels like two put together. Yeah. What it feels like is when MTV used to, like, used to, like, bolster their shows by kind of watering them down with music videos. Yeah, I I always hated that because I didn't care about the videos. So anytime I tried to watch something on MTV, it was... Like, half the show would be commercials to start off with. Uh, yeah, half the show is commercials, and then half the show is uh, is music videos that have been interspersed into the original programming. And they did this all through the '90s. They did it with they didn't. Well, I mean, Beavis and Butthead got away with it because they were actually commenting on the videos. Yeah. Well, it's like here's um, you know here's one minute of Syphil and Ollie, and then five minutes of a music video where Syphil and Ollie like run by at one point. Yeah, that that was so that was so, such crap and. They did that with Idiot Box, and they did that with uh, the Brothers Grunt. They can't get away with that now because now you can just go on YouTube and watch only the yep. segments you want. And that feels like what this is, but maybe they maybe they actually did sort of compile them all into a show for for later release, which is I don't I don't know why they would do that. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, no, maybe this, for legal reasons. Maybe like, oh, we lost the rights to these Archie cartoons, but not this one. Yeah, this 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 entire thing just feels like it's compiled together out of things that were short segments in inside something else. I mean, the Funhouse thing is, it feels a lot more accurate now because you're just being pinballed around and you can't focus on anything. Yeah, that's, that's true. But I think I think this is so. I think some of this stuff was originally on that. Um, that show that you know that's it that started with like Archie's here, dude. That one, yeah, yeah, yeah. There isn't much to talk about in the second one that we haven't already talked about, except oh, I wanted to bring up Sabrina's cousin. Oh yeah, um, I can't remember his name, but yeah, that's um, that guy's from like he he's not from from this. He's like an actual char- Sabrina character. Yeah, she apparently Sabrina has an older cousin named Ambrose, and in this, he looks like the dad from Teen Wolf. Yeah, he's just, he's just kind of like um, he's like a like a pudgy guy with elf ears, basically. Yeah, why does he have elf ears? Oh, uh, he, he's maybe he's part elf. <laughs> 
Perhaps, uh, perhaps Sabrina has elven blood. Oh well, that would explain a lot, actually. As part of a part of a, a prophecy, I've been seeing so I've I've been seeing so many things lately with like half elves that are part of prophecies. So that's just on the mind. <laughs> yeah, no one is ever a half elf, and they just get one human ear and one big long elf ear. Oh yeah, yeah. How come you never see that? <laughs> I mean, it's it's the same way that like it's the same reason that people that are biracial do not look like those Star Trek aliens that are <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't work like that. Yeah, I do. I I have a character that I've been saving for something who is like a a dompier, a half vampire, but that means they just have the fang on the one side and they're mm-hmm. very vulnerable to the sun, but only on the one side. But yeah, so I have to. I have to uh, it's like, oh no, it's sunny. I have to turn sideways. <laughs> And oh, what about the coach guy? Is he established? Yeah, Coach Cleats. He's a real thing. Yeah, he's, okay. he's, he's the main coach for uh, Riverdale High. Sometimes now he's supplemented with Coach Clayton, who's Chuck's father. So oh, there, okay. there are there are two coaches who work at Riverdale High now. But uh, but he was the original one. Yeah, he has a very strange um, segment where he's going to. He's he's going to some country where they where they do human archery. Yeah, do you think this was it a real country or was it like well, the, you know, the first fake one he stand? does isn't? Um, I think he doesn't he like go to a real one second. Yeah, the next one he goes to is India for the new sport of elephant polo. Yeah, is- so that's I mean that's probably not real, but uh, India is real. But the other one was like it was like uh, you know one of those countries that I can't remember the name of it, but it's like Lower Slobovia or. Um, you know, the country that Boris Badenov was from, yeah, yeah. or, you know, Albonia from Dilbert. It's just, just, so, just some vaguely European country that's, uh, like, we're not going to use a real country because we're going to be kind of insulting and we don't want to, so we're, we're just going to, it's okay to insult a general area, just as long as we're not specific. <laughs> yeah, because it's kind of like how uh, in, you know, in Germany, the Simpsons character Uter is dubbed as being Swiss. Because that's their that's their uh, idea of the Swiss, apparently. <laughs> and yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much all you really need from this. Like, oh, there is the one thing where Jughead shot a cow. Uh, oh gosh, what, what was the situation there? I don't even remember that. <laughs> It was in the World War One jokes. It was they were doing a thing where uh, Jughead was a World War One flying ace, and somehow they don't. Oh ever make yeah, a yeah. Joke. He was. He was. He had. Uh, he had like four planes and a cow on the side of his on the side of his uh, airplane. Yeah, that's that's a very. I, I'm not. I only know from cartoons that apparently uh, air fighters used to like stamp uh, how many they had shot down on the side of their side of their planes. I've never seen a plane that actually still had those. Yeah, I'm, um, I assume that most of the planes that were involved in that kind of thing ended up being destroyed themselves. Uh huh. If you look at the 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 survival rates of like er, especially early World War One fighter pilots like a flying ace was anybody who'd been up like twice and was still alive (laughs) oh man it's it's like the wind rises none of them ever came home yeah um yeah i mean it was really it was really brutal because they discovered that i mean airplanes were obviously super useful but really really dangerous yeah 
Yeah, and basically any plane was a kamikaze. Mm-hmm. So, oh, oh, and I wanted to say, looking up Ambrose, apparently he got super updated in the latest version of Sabrina, and now he's a heartthrob. Is, wait, is, by the latest version, do you mean the Netflix show? I think so. Yeah, the the one where they're they really are uh, like like satanic witches. I I've seen that, but it's been um, oops. I typed in Ambrose Netflix, and that doesn't work. It brings up <laughs> it brings up Bill Pullman in something called The Sinner, where he plays Harry Ambrose. Uh, let's look up Sabrina. I think I I think I remember him. Oh yeah, never mind. Um, for some reason I was getting him confused with um, Salem because I think Salem was supposed to be a real person who got turned into a cat. Oh okay. Yeah, no, I remember, yeah, I think I think this version is more like the Ambrose from the comics and probably one of the TV. Well, there was there, there wasn't a TV show of Sabrina until the Melissa Joan Hart one, was there? Right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so it must be just from the comics then. Hmm. I don't remember. Yeah, I never watched the one with Melissa Joan Hart, so I don't know if. Uh, I mean, by then was she? That show lasted for like, like what eight years? It was um, it was a long runner. Yeah, I, for a really long time. I have only. I I think I used to watch it, so I've probably seen a bunch of them. But I don't remember most most of them. Man, Melissa Joan Hart got hired to be Clarissa because they were like, what kind of music do you listen to? And she says, I like they might be giants. And they're like, hey, you're what we're looking for. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, it ran um, it ran on ABC for like four years, but then it was on the WB for three more. So she was a teenage witch for, uh, let's see, seven years. And I don't think she started at age, uh, uh, you're, you can't even be a teenager for seven years, can you? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Wait, you, got, you are exactly seven years then, huh? Seven years, yeah. You start, wait, you start at, when you turn 13, so 13 to 14 is one year, and then to 15, to 16, to 17, to 18, five, to 19. Okay, exactly seven years you spend as a teenager. Uh-huh. So if you assume she was 13 in that first episode, which she was clearly not. Yeah. Yeah, wait, it says, yeah, it, the summary says she discovers on her 16th birthday that she's a witch. Okay. So by, the, by the end of it, she was Sabrina the 20-something witch. Yeah. Sabrina the Slacker Witch. Mm-hmm. Huh, it was started in 1996, so Sabrina is the same age as I am. <laughs> so now she's... Uh... So now she, I guess she's, you know, by most people's standards, the middle-aged witch, but I don't know. Well, I think, I think witches, I, witches age slower. That's that's true. So she's probably, so she probably won't even start getting like crow's feet until she's 100. So Yeah, she's, she's, she's probably still Sabrina, like the young adult witch until she yeah. decides not to be. Sabrina, the YA witch. Although I, um, her aunts look much older, but I don't, I think think they're meant to be like centuries old. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. They're like Broomhilda, 1500. Mm-hmm. So Sabrina has a Zelda and a Hilda, and now the Legend of Zelda series has a Zelda and a Hilda. 
the the which series? Uh, the Legend of Zelda series. You know, because in uh, Zelda, oh, which one was it? Uh, Link Between Worlds. We're introduced to Princess Hilda from the country of Byrule. Well, I never actually, uh, I didn't play that one, although I have a poster of it. It's really good. It's definitely, it's, uh, it's a worthy sequel to uh, Link to the Past. Yeah. Well, do we have anything more to talk about with, uh, about Archie? Because I'm, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to have a through line for this one because it's yeah. just, just a random assortment of things. Yeah, there's no, there's no, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think we've, I think we've talked about most of the segments that we saw. Yeah, it wasn't really a meal. It was popcorn. And I think yeah. we're down to the kernels. Did we learn anything from uh, Archie's Funhouse? Uh, we learned how to pass a uh, quarter through a dime-sized hole. We did. That And that's, um, I think, and it isn't in the end, isn't that what's important? <laughs> you know what? Let's say it is. <laughs>